Welcome back to It's Broadway, Bitch. I'm Christina. I am Alana. This week, my username is Rick Moranus. Please. That I... is Rick, comma, Moranus, comma, please. Please. <laughs> yeah, for those that are just tuning in. So we record these podcasts uh, using Squadcast, that program. And there is a little spot before you st- enter like the room where you record uh to put a little nickname for yourself um (laughs) christina's name is rick morenas please (laughs) and here's why this is relevant is that rick morenas is the main character of little shop of horrors which we will be covering today but i needed you to know because there were so many options with little shop of horrors and then it's just so perfect it's just like an apple just ready to be plucked shoved up Rick's anus. I know it doesn't matter when follows that, but mine is Audrey 3. <laughs> it's a little anticlimactic now, though. <laughs> we should have started with mine. <laughs> so that yours could be a little punchier, but this is the life we've chosen. <laughs> I think this was exactly the way that it needed to go. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's the please that's killing me. <laughs> like Rick more anus would have driven it home, but just the fact that we're keeping it's, it cordial still. <laughs> well, it's like when you're sh- I'm as if I'm directing a porn and I need Rick to give more anus. I'm not gonna right. be rude about it. <laughs> um relatable situation for everybody. <laughs> relatable scenario (laughs) the other thing i find funny about that is that you and i tend to chit chat like catch up on personal things before we record and so we've had like a very serious conversation about the state of our mental health with this screen name the entire time we have that's correct (laughs) for like the past hour yeah why don't you tell us why we're here today yeah so well we're watching little shop horse We are watching specifically uh, the remake movie. That's the 1986 movie with Rick Moranis as Seymour and Ellen Green as Audrey and Steve Martin as the dentist. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors is fun. I actually learned this today uh, because it was a straight movie that came out in the 60s that wasn't a musical. And then shortly after the movie came out, they made it a Broadway musical and then they did a remake of the movie as a musical in the 80s, which is what we watched. And then there was a revival on Broadway in the 90s. So this one's been around. Yeah, I before we like get into more of that, and also because we always spend your trivia up front and then never have it at the end, what is your experience uh, beforehand with Little Shop of Horrors? I love Little Shop of Horrors. Um, I've never been in it. Um, But I've seen a lot of youth productions of it. My youth theater did it a few different times. And Audrey is just an absolute dream role of mine. Audrey's been a dream role of mine since I've been about 14 years old. It's a role that I could just knock out of the fucking park. Um, And it's a wacky little show. It's real wacky. It's sort of in a league of its own. It's one that I probably watched when I was too young. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Do you want to know my background with this show? I would love to know your background. So I've seen it exactly one time. It was in high school. My high school theater program put on uh, Little Shop of Horrors. And um, I was dating Alex one at the time. I dated three Alexes in a row. (laughs) I was dating Alex one at the time. And he was one of the leads. I know in the same year they did Little Shop of Horrors and Bye Bye Birdie. And he was like leads in both of those things. Um, And I remember thinking it was fine. And that's it. And it's probably because it wasn't a really like huge deal production. It was one of those like side gigs that theaters do, you know, that all like the parents and girlfriends go watch. But yeah, I like didn't really know what to do what what to expect. Uh, And I was like moderately whatever about it. And then I heard that Steve Martin was in it. And I let's talk about Steve Martin. Is he problematic? I don't think so. Because I've had a crush on him since I was approximately 10 years old when Treepa Brother Dozen came out. Um, <laughs> I've loved that man. And then, unbeknownst to me, he was actually a comedian first. And my yes. father surprised me with a first printing of Stephen Martin's original vinyl like comedy stand-up show. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so I like listened to that a lot. It was my introduction to stand-up comedy. Um, and like literally on vinyl, we, my sister and I would ask my dad to play Steve Martin's like comedy vinyl. Um, oh, that's so pure. Wasn't that the just the purest? Did you know that he's written Broadway shows? I did not know that he's written Broadway shows. Um, he wrote, he's written a few straight plays. Um, the only one I can remember is one called the underpants, which is fine. Um, I don't really know what it's about, but it's. A wacky comedy because it's Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. And then he wrote a musical called Bright Star where the music is like bluegrass, like a lot of banjo. He wrote uh, the music with a lady that he is like, he wrote it with some lady. I can't, I should know her name. I'm going to cut Right now it doesn't matter. (laughs) Women don't, (laughs) women don't do things. Women never have. (laughs) No, not once. In fact, you and I are podcasting from our kitchens. I'm actually making my husband a sandwich right now. (laughs) Entirely nude, except for the apron. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, he wrote a Broadway musical called Bright Star that originated at the Old Globe Theater, where uh, I am from, and I saw the... uh, I was going to say, isn't that yours? Um, Yeah. That's really I watched it before it went to Broadway, and then it went to Broadway, and it won a bunch of awards. So he's like a Tony Award winning dude. Wow. Yeah. He's wow, a I love very him. talented man. He is a very talented man. And um, we were talking about it because he's not necessarily a sex icon, but I have had a crush on him for my entire fucking life. Like, I love him so much. I think the love that you have for Steve Martin is similar to my love for Steve Carell. I have a huge crush on Steve Carell. And like the older he gets, the hotter he gets. And that is objectively true about Steve Carell. That is yeah. just objectively true. I don't know if that... Here's the thing about Steve Martin. Um, he's looked the same since he was 25. <laughs> Kinda. He's been that gray for a really long time. He has. He went gray super early. Um, I'm pretty sure in his original like album art, he is already like white-haired. Um, I asked my dad about it. I was like, when did he go white? And my dad was like, real early. Real early. <laughs> Let's jump into Little Shop of Horrors. 
And yeah, it's just it is just if you don't know what it's about, you do not expect it to go the direction it goes. Okay, so I I do know what it's about. I guess is something that was important. Is like I watched it and I re- I watched it in high school and retained enough to remember that like there's a giant man eating plant and the big tagline is "Feed me, Seymour." And I've definitely yes. said that at you a few times, and I've said it at Matt many times. Yes, <laughs> but I was not expecting. A fucking knockdown, excellent musical. That's <gasps> you <entire> liked it! <laughs> Yay! I want to have a full discussion about it because I'm really frustrated by this. And here's why. I feel like this fits exactly in where the golden age of musicals should be. But it's much better than all of them. It's much better than like all of the ones that I think of. And it is. it does encompass what I think of when I think of a traditional mu- musical... It just somehow is so much better. And yet it's missing elements like a dance number. We don't really get one, you know? No, it's not a dance show. It's not. And we do have a plot, but like the dialogue, every time that anyone talks without singing, it's like, that's not very good. But like all of the music slaps and the plot is like very enjoyable. The casting is really good and the costuming is great. So I think the word for it is campy. Campy is exactly the word for it. That's why it's good. <laughs> I was getting a lot of um, Rocky Horror Picture Show vibes, but better yes. production. Yes. Yeah. The plot is, with a plot like that, it has to be campy, you know? Yeah. And I love that, like, no one tried to make it anything else. No one tried to make it respectable. They knew what they were doing and they did it, you know? Especially because, like... I don't know why it doesn't really translate with musicals very well, but it's very hard to do like a sci-fi musical. Like it never really lands. And the only way to really make it happen is if it's kind of campy, in my opinion, Um, because it's like the plant is an alien. Like it's from outer fucking space. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard to play that in like a believable, like earnest way, you know? (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you liked it. I was worried that you wouldn't, but I thought that you would. I was really, I had a hard time texting you because one, it's a pretty short movie. Um, yeah. And so a lot happens really quickly. And two, um, I was really afraid about giving you any feedback at all. <laughs> I was really afraid about it. Oh, I was going to say, okay. So I feel like we're a lot of, <sighs> the education that you've given me in introducing me to theater is very multifaceted it has a lot of sides to it because when I think of like an artsy theater scene I think of like a dramatic smoky angsty thing where we think about the existential crises of the world like the concept of gender and climate change and how it'll affect future generations or what it even is to be Um, and I've like seen the first play that you put on with me as a voyeur like independently was no exit so like that is a fairly abstract play it con it contemplates the existence of humanity in hell and so i have a hard time because musicals seem to want to toe the line between hilarity and like taboo subjects like sex and rock and roll and like serious things um, and mix them all together and not really know how to have a laugh about it sometimes. And I feel like this is a perfect n- morsel of just like complete camp. It's 
I don't have to take it seriously and I don't have to feel like bad that it's not being taken seriously, you know? Like, yeah. Legally Blonde is a great show, but it pisses me off that no one's taking it seriously, you know? Like, not, not in multiple ways as a feminist, but also just like as a show, no one looks at it and it's like, this is a, a Tony Award winning show. People looked at this and they were like, it has merit. It's a really good thing. It's all camp. Nothing about it is serious. And we, like, it's so much. It's like, people did take it seriously. Like, I did win awards, I think. And it also, it, like, even though it's campy and funny, like, there's a whole, like, he murders people and there's a huge domestic violence. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a issue that's, like, real aggressive and bad. It helps that, like, I guess we'll get into it, but I mean, it helps that the dentist, like, his whole thing, like, he's, like, an absolutely irredeemable sadist. bad guy. Yeah, yeah he's a sadist. <laughs> uh, it, but that's the thing is, like, I, I feel like for musicals, we very often are contemplating the seriousness of the work, and it takes away from my enjoyment of it. And when we try to go camp, it misses some really important elements for me. I would say, like, the closest thing would be um, SpongeBob the Musical, where it's there's just no plot and it didn't really do anything and the music wasn't good and here we have like a fun plot that's not super consequential with characters that we grow attached to and fucking slap and music great music the music's so good yeah spongebob wasn't campy spongebob was cartoony this was campy we will do rocky horror picture show at some point but we're probably gonna do that for our um one year yeah one year slash halloween episode yeah, which is coming up. Oh I God. know. All right, let's get into it. You've been trying to get into it, and every time I've pulled you back. So no, it's fine. It. It's fine. <laughs> the first song is the prologue, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, the Little Shop, Little, little Shop, Shop of Horrors. Horror. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because apparently Matt has been in a production of this. He sta- He was a stagehand for like multiple productions of this. Interesting. He is one of those people that constantly has a song in his head. They're called E-Rigs, and I'm also one of those people. And he was like, I literally got Little Shop of Horrors out of my head for the first time in 10 years, three months ago, and we just watched it again today. <laughs> <laughs> this song fucking slaps. It slaps so hard. And we immediately get these fucking gorgeous, I call them the muses, but the Greek chorus. Yeah. Oh, it's They're- so good. One of my favorite tropes in all of any kind of theater history, we had it in... We had it in Town. We had it in Shrek. We love it in Hercules. We love it in everything. I love a Greek chorus. And they're so good. They immediately take it away. They're wearing these really great, like, gingham, blue gingham, like, 60 styles dress with, like, a sweetheart. No- Hold on. Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde had a Greek chorus? <gasps> Legally Blonde had a literal Greek chorus. Yeah. I Sorry, think Matt, Matt, I didn't say it. Matt literally, oh. Matt just came up and was like, you forgot Legally Blonde. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry, I thought I heard you say it. Uh, but yeah, I love that man. He's so wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, they come in sexy, like three sexy women of color off the bat yeah. with the 1986 movie. Like I was in real hard. They're wearing this awesome gingham style, like tight dress with a weird peplum and I'm in and they're slapping it out of the park. Yeah, it's because it's set in the 60s. Uh, so it's like the Supremes era. It's so good. Um, and we just follow them around town. Yeah. Then, like, the shitty part of town. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the next song, I believe, is Downtown, right? Skid Row, yeah. Skid Row. Which also fucking slaps. It's a song that I feel like has hit... Okay, so Skid Row, for some reason, 
always I've heard it so much in my life. I've never heard it like in the show with the exception of the one time when I was in high school, but I didn't realize it was from this. And for some reason, it has the same vibes as YMCA. And so the songs merge together in my mind. What? No, it doesn't. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, it's probably because YMCA oh. says downtown for like one second. <laughs> I cannot forgive you for that. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna look up lyrics to YMCA. No, you are, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. They feel very similar to me. They have similar energy. <laughs> So on on second reading of the YMCA lyrics, oh my god, <laughs> I do not see the word downtown anywhere. <laughs> um, this reminds me a lot. I get confused between energies of things very easily, and I was like, hey. Remember in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat how I thought Cleopatra was, um, what is her name? Eliza from Arrested Development. You thought Cleopatra? What are you? You thought Potiphar's wife was Liza Minnelli. <laughs> and then I was like, same energy though. And you were like, I guess, yes. I get that. <laughs> I get YMCA a little less. <laughs> okay, re-listen to Downtown and Skid Row, and then listen to YMCA. There's also a song called okay, Downtown. I'll and- get right on that. <laughs> um. Anyway, Skid Row, great song. Very interesting premise, and we get to see all kinds of characters. And we get some really good yeah, vocals. We do. We really do. We meet everybody. We really meet Seymour. Mm-hmm. We meet uh, Mr. Mushnick. We see Audrey for the sec- first mm-hmm. or second time. And then we see a bunch And every of other time we see her. Yeah, we see a lot of other people. There's, um, we start with, like, again, the Greek chorus. They're in the alleyway. And we see, like, a lady walking down the alleyway. We see a lot of homeless people. Yeah. Um, and they're all adding into the song. This is the biggest, closest thing, I feel like, to a dance break that we really have. Yeah, and it's not even really, but it is, like, the big ensemble number that we get, really. Yeah, and we're just walking down the street, and everything is decrepit. There's potholes everywhere, there's trash everywhere, and we just get, we we get from the lyrics of the song, and from the view of the place, that it's just not a really well-kept part of town. Yeah. Not everyone who's there is really excited to be there. Um, <laughs> which is so at odds with the upbeat rhythm of Skid Row. Yeah. I did like how they just sort of casually worked in the word whore in like a totally like not like sexually derogatory way. What did they say? Um, what was the way? That- so in that little part where they're like uptown you cater to a million jerks uh, something hotel clerks they're like it's like that part then uptown you cater to a million whores doing like something about grocery stores it's just like a oh yeah they just like worked it right on in and it wasn't even about sex workers (laughs) i did for so i did almost name my screen name little shop of whores yeah just, that's but i was like that's a solid one it just felt a little too derivative but i'm glad that we i'm glad i was able to say it and also that we were able to work in a non-offensive horror early in the show yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a really enjoyable number um and we meet audrey and we meet 
I want to call him Rick, but his name is Seymour in the thing. And the first thing I said was, that's Honey, I Shrek the Kids guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so well cast. He was the perfect casting choice. I It was the most unexpected thing I've ever truly experienced in a musical. Because I looked at him and I was like, this guy's going to fucking suck. He was pretty good. He was really he's good. He's pretty good, yeah. He's doing really well. He did a great job. And Audrey, who, like, is a she's very cute and we like are introduced to her and the domestic abuse that she's experiencing right away we meet her with a black eye how did Um, you feel about her voice her talking voice made me want to vomit thought it would her singing her singing voice was incredible yeah um and that was the thing is like i couldn't understand where we were going with this because she doesn't sing for a while yeah she, she doesn't sing at all for a long time but the songs that she sings are powerful. She kills. Yeah. She's so good. And that was the thing. It's like she she talks like a like a little baby. Yeah. So Audrey has always had like a character voice like that. She does have like it's like it's very breathy. Like that's how she, this actress does it. A lot of the times I've seen it, it's been sort of like a like this sort of thing, like, like a, a New Jersey like almost. Like and Duels Adelaide. Like it's been that sort of voice, like a little more like nasaling up. But she. Chooses something that's a little more breathy. Yeah. Yes, doctor. Her, yes, her doctor. Also, yeah. <laughs> her tongue's also in the front of her mouth. She's doing almost a lisp. Yeah. When she's talking, like very childlike. Yeah. Um, but I noticed it in the way that she was moving her mouth. And it was, again, disgusting to me. I think it's when I meet a grown woman with a child's voice, I usually end up questioning what trauma has caused them to stay in that moment yeah it's clear what hers is is, yeah yeah but surprisingly excellent like the vocals on this at every turn i was so pleasantly surprised at no point was i disappointed by the people who were singing we first have the greek chorus who knock it out of the park then we meet seymour who like can carry a fucking tune and for a guy who like I don't know. I think he looks a little like a frog. He's cute, but he's nerdy cute. And I'm like, just not expecting that much out of him. And he's just killing it, man. Yeah, he really is. Um, they, It's been getting a, just a work and some trivia here. Um, Little Shop, at least before the pandemic, was getting a few sort of restages. Like it wasn't back on Broadway, but a lot of regional productions were happening kind of all at once. And there was a trend of casting Seymour with like hotter and hotter actors and there was a big pushback from a lot of people, but also mostly from me. <laughs> that, like, it's important to me that Seymour is not, like, a fucking ripped dreamboat. Like, the whole point of him is that he's, like, a little mousy nerd, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, agreed. Skid Row ends with them all in the shop. And, like, not a plant in sight. It is a plant shop. And we start... Business we- is bad. Business is not good, yeah. at the very least. Um, and we are we learned quickly that rick lives in the basement and he's been experimenting with plants down there yeah so he's like a weird kid (laughs) it's unclear how old he is they keep calling him kid but he looks old so i'm unclear how old he is um but mr mushnick like didn't officially like adopt him but like took him in from the orphanage when he was a child so he's like his ward or something you know (laughs) yeah it's a weird thing um and we're introduced to audrey too pretty quickly uh like right away in the movie where we he's like hey um i have this thing well audrey is really like hey you have this thing go get it brings it up and mr mushnick is like did i say it right yeah 
Um, he's like, that's never going to sell. And I personally think the small Audrey, too, looks like a testicle, if a testicle, testicle was grown. Um, and they put it in the window, and just immediately someone comes in and is like, hey, I noticed that wild plant that you have there. I'll take $50 worth of roses in 1960. And everyone's like, $50? And he goes, can you break 100 No, I guess I'll have to take $100 worth of roses. Like, all of the, the ensemble acting is wild. This was the scene where I was like, this is camp. <laughs> yes. Because yes. this guy walks in, he does not blink. <laughs> His eyes are wide, <laughs> and he was like, and I think Mushnik has just said, like, no one will ever care that this strange and unusual plant is in the window. And he busts in mm-hmm. and he was like, I just noticed the strange and unusual plant in your window. <laughs> Since I'm here, may I purchase? <laughs> and it's like so <laughs> bonkers. And everybody else comes in with the same, like, not blinking, like, what a weird plant. I'd like to buy some shit. <laughs> and here's the thing about camp is that it really doesn't, I don't think it works really well unless you do it either super 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 well or super 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 poorly and anything in between it doesn't land for me because unintentional camp that's just a cult following and intentional camp is camp but the way that i saw this in high school none of the irony of this like landed with me i just thought that they had done stupid dialogue for the high school kids i just thought it was a bad show I was like, it's just bad. I, yeah, it was bad acting. But like, we have this great, first of all, great production value. The setting is great. And then the actor is just like, ah, I love that strange and unusual plant. And it's so good. And then we have a montage of everyone coming in going like, this strange and unusual plant. It's very funny. <laughs> and then slowly, and this is also when I was like, this is this is my show because I get to talk about plants because there was not a plant in sight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have this whole... We have this whole sequence where um, Seymour was walking down the street and he passed a Chinese market with uh, some rare and exotic plants. And then there was a full lunar eclipse or full solar eclipse, which, again, in my when I was in high school, I just thought that was stupid. I just thought that they were dumb. I mean, it is stupid. (laughs) It is stupid. But like, it's it's ironically stupid here versus then it was like stupidly stupid, you know? Yeah, I do know. And we get the camp of it all. And then, of course, there's a lightning bolt and he sees Audrey, too. And he's like, can I keep this plant? And the Chinese guy is like, yeah. Sells it to him for like a dollar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then he takes Audrey to home. And apparently she's fine until she's absolutely dead for a second. Yeah. I like how you call it a she. (laughs) It's absolutely. If the plant had a gender. (laughs) Sorry, I did not mean to gender the plant. No, I just uh, like if it had a gender, it's obviously a man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I find it to be very gender fluid, but I like yeah. that explanation better. <laughs> I switched while I was watching it between she, them, and it and him very often. That's fair. So. I bet that's what the plant would have wanted you to do. Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> What's the next song? Because what's the next sequence of events? The next is song is, him feeding- is Grow For Me. Okay, so the next sequence of events and the next song lined up where he's feeding them his blood. Yeah, because the plant is selling. So Mr. Mushnick is like, you better make that plant fucking healthy. Um, because it looks like it looks bad. Seymour's like, it's like drooping. I can't make I can't fix it. And he's like, you better fucking fix it. 
Oh my God. So this was, okay. I remember this grow for me. He was like talking about all the things that he's done to make this plant thrive. He's checked the soil. He's checked, he's gotten them grow lights. He's done filtered water. He did, he repotted like all of the things. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a fucking relatable journey. I've done this to all of my plants. I have augmented lights all through my house. I've checked the soil. I've changed the media. I changed the watering schedule. (laughs) Maybe I'm missing blood. And then I was thinking, because so here's just objectively looking at this plant. It's based off of a phoenix blood trap mixed with um, a pitcher plant. For those of you who don't know, they're carnivorous plants that usually eat insects. In the swaths and bogs where they're native, they can eat things as large as like a rat. Um, Shit. And it's really, yeah. And they're not like actively closing on it. Normally those, for most carnivorous plants, stuff is getting stuck to them or caught in them and then starting to death and then the slat the plant will slowly digest it but i was looking at this plant and i was like why were you giving it i mean you obviously need to give it a lot of light it looks like a traditional carnivorous plant it's a bog plant so it needs a lot of water all of the time it needs to always have its feet wet i don't understand what the issue is here because this kind of gardening is not new to the 1960s Uh, as someone who was considered having a bog garden, I felt it was a very obvious thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, we find that the secret ingredient is blood, which if you do have carnivorous plants, you know because you feed them blood worms. <laughs> yeah, you literally go and get dried blood worms and you feed it to them. It's their fertilizer. They don't like any other kind of like you have to be really specific with the kind of feed that you give them. You can't get them any regular fertilizer because they're so sensitive to whatever's in their soil and they'll die. So you literally have to like fertilize them with blood worms. So is he, is Seymour bad at plants or do we think that he just is like never like a Venus I mean, flytrap? Here, I think he's just bad at aliens at this point. Well, yeah. how dare he? <laughs> Fucking amateur hour. <laughs> Um, but he should have known a bog plant's a bog plant, you know? <laughs> anyway. Well, it, 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 it wasn't a bog plant. No, it was a blood plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a testicle on a rope. Our new soap. You have to wonder how it was alive in space. You know? There had to have been blood up there. Well, I'm sure it sucked at the teat of whatever mother that gave it life. And it was probably just a blood teat. <laughs> but like, like specifically, well, I guess we could speculate all day about what kind of Let's, let's speculate wildly about the lifestyle of this carnivorous alien it would just, vegetation. It would have to, there would have to be mammals up there, right? One would, it, one would think that there would have to be some, some... Organism with iron-based fluid. Yeah. Because that seems to be the big thing. The thing that's wild to me is not that I advocate for animal cruelty, but, like, Seymour went straight to humans. It was just like, listen, there's plenty of, like, cows to buy, cats in the street. Well, he offered the steak. Um, he did offer, but but she said she... Sorry, there I go gendering them again. They said that they just, wanted well, fresh blood. Well, I love blood. that you gender it as a girl when it's voiced <laughs> by a black man. <laughs> it's like clearly voiced by a large black man. <laughs> I know. Feed me, seem like <laughs> I'm aware. 
Um, they say they need fresh blood, but they don't specify that it needs to be human blood. And so it makes me think that he gave up on feeding it anything like other than humans really early. He could have gone and gotten, again, a goat, seeing if, if Audrey too would have eaten the goat. He didn't try any alternative blood sources. So in his defense, he was only feeding it his own blood until it was sentient enough to mess with him psychologically and manipulate him with words. And then he sort of twisted it all into like, you should kill the bad guy that hit Audrey. So in his and he's like a weak minded guy, right? Like he's impressionable. Um, so he never jumped to animals just because he was like my own blood and then I don't have to kill anything or buy anything that's already dead. I can just cut my own self and that seemed to work for a while. It's also interesting to me, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, that Audrey is okay with eating the deceased dentist when it already said it wants fresh blood. And I'm like, well, that shit is dead as a doornail now. He's like, like freshly that- dead. Mm, yeah. Dead that day. I'm gonna argue. Well, when we get there, I'll argue with you about it. Okay. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I have a fun story about microwaving dead mice. Um, This is actually a story from my childhood. Oh my my god. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, We on this podcast do not advocate animal cruelty at all. (laughs) Please be kind to all animals. Please. <laughs> um, I work in a very regulated lab space. All of the animals that we have are well cared for. And anyone who does not make it to the end of their natural life is sacrificed in the name of science for the betterment of humankind. Um. <laughs> so anyway, grow for me. Grow for me. <laughs> All of, this entire thing is un- unintentionally phallic or unintentionally sexual. Because grow for me just as a thing. I'm like looking at a penis going like grow for me. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I don't know how many penises I, you're talking to asking to grow for you. Really one right now. But I'll <laughs> tell you about that later. <laughs> one right this moment. <laughs> <laughs> like right right now. <laughs> you think this microphone is a microphone? Oh honey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what is the next song? Uh, Somewhere that's green. Oh, okay. We are introduced to the dentist as a concept, but not as a person. Somewhere That's Green is the song that Audrey sings about, like, if she could have a guy like Seymour, because apparently her self-worth is so low that she's like, I could never have a sweet, simple guy like that. That's accurate. She's a little, she's a little messed up. <laughs> she um, could use a little bit of therapy. She, she's, she could. She's in a place. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and she's supposed to be like the bomb.com. Like she's the actress is objectively beautiful, but she's supposed to be like the spicy little side piece that Seymour is obviously pining after. Uh, and so she's fantasizing about like, what if I didn't have to be with a guy who abused me if I had yeah, that kind of life? At this point, we haven't seen the guy, but she has yeah. a black eye and a broken arm. Like, um, and I, yeah. Oh, the broken arm, I didn't realize it was broken at first because she has it in such a stylish sling. Yeah. Uh, but Mr. Mushnick and also all the people in the street are like, girl, that guy is clearly hitting you and you need to stop that. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but he's rich and I don't feel like I'm in a position to leave. 
Um, which we'll stop right here and say, like, we fully recognize that victims of abuse, the hardest and most dangerous time for them to be anywhere is when they're trying to leave their abuser. If you need help, please let someone know. They will, someone will help you out of a situation. You're not alone. I'm sure that no one that we're ha- have listening. So I hope that we don't have that many people that are enduring this. But if you are, you're not alone. There are resources and we will try and post some in the episode description. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, domestic abuse is hilarious, right? Oh my god. <laughs> um, Seamless no, transition. Not- <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a the songs thus far um, grow for me, and where it's green, I remember them being good, but I don't have any specific memories of the songs themselves. The imagery is really enjoyable as we go through the songs, though. I think somewhere that's green is really sweet. Um, it's a lot of things like she just wants a life out of better homes and mm-hmm. gardens magazine. She wants, don't her, we all though? She wants like a very, like she wants to just live in like a suburb where all the houses look the same. And she just wants like to, you know, cook like Betty Crocker, look like Donna Reed, uh, be with her husband and they eat TV dinners and they all watch. I love Lucy together on their gigantic 12 inch TV screen. Um, then the kids go to bed and they hang out in their separate twin beds and everything is lovely and she is safe and which it's great to want to be safe I want to reiterate that she and her husband hang out in their separate twin beds yeah. her husband being Seymour yes, yes it's yes. very 60s very 50s actually is what it is yeah, but... yeah. Um, great imagery good very fun lyrics i would say yeah it's like sweet and poignant but like a little it's a little silly yeah she just she just wants to feel safe and what makes her feel safe is like a simple totally domestic simple life you know yeah next song is it dentist is it the dentist song yeah okay let's stop for a minute you can't see me. This is when I wish we were recording because I'm so excited. We get Steve Martin with an Elvis wig and like a semi-Elvis hick personality riding in on a motorcycle and being like so mean, but like I was so attracted to him. Yeah. I was waiting for this moment for you to react to this because he busts right the fuck in and he is also perfectly cast. He's so perfectly classed. And like, okay, so when I originally heard about this production of, um, not Rocky Horror, this reminds me of Rocky Horror Picture Show when Meatloaf busts in on his motorcycle. I'm getting similar vibes with it. I forget where exactly I was going with this, but I'm so attracted to him right here. And I had to stop and be like, when I, oh, when I originally heard that Steve Martin was in it, I was like, oh my God, it's going to have Steve Martin and Seymour. And then it wasn't Steve Martin and Seymour. So I was like, oh, whatever. And then the credits are like guest star, like with a guest appearance by Steve Martin. And I was like, oh, so it'll be like, it'll be like a Lin-Manuel Miranda type of like drive-by appearance in, in a thing. Like it won't be like a big deal. And he was a fucking main character and he's the dentist. And I... I just think Steve Martin is such a nice guy and he's so mean and I don't know why that is so attractive to me as a person. <laughs> it's because he's got and he's like obviously it's playing camp mean. He's yeah. playing a caricature, so it's like He's playing funny. a greaser, yeah, and it's really funny. And he has like the full like Elvis hair and Elvis like demeanor. Yeah, and like it's even even when he's like actively hitting Audrey, there's like a bit of camp about it. But in this particular scene, it is just like a uh, when I was young, I used to like shoot puppies. And, like, 
And so the my mom was like, you know what would be the best profession for you? A fucking dentist. And like it's like Bobby. And then we have a really erotic scene where he is just going full sadist on every every single thing. And we get it is such a good song that we get let into. Yeah. And it's short. Um it's, it's really short. And it's a good dance break. It's yeah, it's he doesn't like dance, but he does get to like jump around. <laughs> He changes levels a lot. He does change levels a lot. <laughs> he changes levels a lot. He sta- he jumps on a lot of things, and his face makes some silly faces, and I just love him so yeah. much. He's just, it's just such a dirtbag guy, you know? He's just the worst, like an actual sadist. He's an act- He's the kind of people, you know how people make jokes about lawyers being like actual dirtbags? And for some reason, I feel like dentists are kind of left out of that. But we have like a whole thing to... Where he comes to get Audrey later and he she's like she makes it he makes her introduce him with his full name and then DDS at the end. Like MD. And yeah. then she calls him Doctor, whatever his fucking name is. Yeah, his whole thing is that like whenever she says yes to him and he'll be like, Yes what? And instead of yes sir, it's yes doctor. Like, yes, doctor, oh my sorry, God. doctor. Okay, doctor. <laughs> I hated it, but also part of me was like, This is hilarious and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so such a good, such a good dentist office. We get so many good scenes. I feel like right away we get all the weird scene with him and Bill Murray, but I don't know. I it's don't in a little right while. Away. There's a little bit. Yeah. That goes by. Yeah. Um. Anything else to say about the dentist song? It's it's so good. <laughs> it's gold. Really gold. It's comedic gold. I think I laughed out loud when it started. I laughed I out loud expecting- too. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it. And he does like he through the whole thing he does talk like Elvis like it's like yeah. almost southern but the whole time he talks like this. <laughs> and it it's also another one where like I know him from Cheaper by the Dozen and his comedy album. I did not expect him to be able to sing. I didn't I oh, don't yeah. think he did like an incredible I don't think he's like the best singer in the world but like he carried the tune. He didn't he did even need job. to be. It's not a, a yeah. role where you need to. That's not the point yeah. of it. He did a fine job, though. He, like, carried it where it needed to go. I wasn't upset. Like, I was enthralled the entire time. Yeah. Okay, next song. Feed me, in parentheses, get it. The iconic. This is such a great song. It's, like, kind of sexy. <laughs> it's such a... This is... Okay. I remember the instant in high school where I thought maybe this could be, like, a fun musical. Because I was like, oh, this is, like, rock and roll. Like, this is bluesy. And it's... A very sexy voice. A very sexy song. Yeah, for context, this is when Audrey to the plant begins to speak. <laughs> um, and is telling Seymour to feed him blood. Um, more than the blood that he's already given. Because Seymour is, like, fully anemic at this point. Unable yeah, to really... Yeah, Seymour is, like, not not functioning. He's fully lethargic. And yeah. he's, like, that poor baby anemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is when uh, Audrey... Has, you know, sentient thoughts and is capable of uh, human manipulation, which is wild. But it is this whole sexy fucking song about, like, feed me the fresh food. I can make all your fucking dreams come true if you just feed me some blood. (laughs) Yeah, we have a little bit of, like, you think it's a mistake that or you think it's just a coincidence that as soon as you put me in the window, everything started going right for you. I control everything. No, it, it well, that's what you mean by manipulation is like he puts it into and we never really confirm or, de- or deny that this is like a real thing. But he puts it into Seymour's mind that like the only reason that the shop is doing well 
the only reason he's like making any sort of like headway with um audrey is that is because the plant's there and so yeah and that the plant has some kind of like cosmic intervention that can make these things happen yeah so the plant needs to stay alive and happy in order for life to be smooth again yeah Um, well he says shit like wouldn't you like like to fuck audrey and wouldn't you like to have like a motorcycle fuck he doesn't say fuck, but he does have okay. a point where because he's like, you could have a motorcycle. You could have all this. You could have like a nice hotel room or if you really want something because he floats the idea by like, yeah, what if you killed somebody? <laughs> what if you yeah. killed a person? And he's like, I can't do that. <laughs> and so his next tactic is like, but if you did, what do you want? You want uh, that Audrey girl's looking nice. You know, he does say a little nookie would clean up those zits. He does say like, if you got laid, I can make that happen for you. If you just gave me some, some lunch, you know, a little nookie would clean up those zits. Yes. As someone who had zits and nookie at the same time, they don't cancel each other out. No, but Seymour doesn't know that because <laughs> it's implied that he's probably a virgin. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, and then we get a really fun montage of events. Um, fun, not really. I was I, I forgot that this started like with Audrey two showing Seymour that Audrey one was being physically abused. Yeah. And that scene is bad, but the musical but the- interlude that comes after. <laughs> 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 The finale of the song that is the result of him having witnessed that <laughs> is very, very good. Where they're singing in <laughs> harmony together. <laughs> it is very, very good. <laughs> like, the guy sure looks like plant food to me. The guy sure looks like plant food to me. And that part slaps. <laughs> it slaps so hard. This entire song slaps. Every time that Audrey sings, it slaps. That anytime truly- any Audrey sings. and Any of them. True, true. <laughs> true either one of them either one um and then we have a really good little montage where we're back at the dentist's office after we i forgot this was in it (laughs) i was unprepared you did not prepare me for this so we are in the dentist's office and there is some actual torture happening like it's like a a chop shop level of noise coming from the dentist room and this child comes out in like full headgear and bill murray has been in the waiting room like like he's waiting to see bill murray (laughs) i had to text and be like is that bill murray yeah i was like yeah that's playing some joe schmo guy like it's such a small bit part but it is bill murray And and he's waiting in the waiting room as if he's waiting to meet his favorite artist, like musical, like artist. And this kid comes out in full headgear and, and, and Bill Murray's like, Hey, what do you, what did you get? And this kid is, cannot even talk with the level of like intervention that it has in its mouth. And Bill Murray's like, you're lucky. You're lucky. Uh, And then Steve Martin comes out and is about to leave. And Bill Murray's like, I heard that you can do me special on the side and it gets this whole level of erotic that i was not ready for (laughs) bill murray is clearly a masochist and that's why he's here he heard (laughs) that uh this dentist was the worst one and he was like you know what'll get me off today like (laughs) yeah um and so we have this whole sequence where like where (laughs) steve martin invites him in and he's like oh yeah i'm gonna 
it's it's gonna be not great and he's like oh yeah daddy give it to me yeah that hear, is what he does <laughs> he, he literally we hear bill murray like screaming like thank you thank you thank you yeah <laughs> um he like is preparing himself for the like treatment he's stuffing a whole bunch of like cotton rounds in his mouth and we have like a whole thing and the ch- the thing that steve martin is upset about is that he's taking the fun out of it because he wants steve martin it. wants wants yeah, Steve Martin he he doesn't want a masochist. This is a this is a sadistic rape fantasy essentially. Yeah. And it is. Bill Murray unfortunately is is uh consenting. And <laughs> so <laughs> Steve Martin goes like he is sick out and throws him out. And um while this is all happening and we hear this like incredible oral sex scene happening, Seymour comes into the waiting He's room. He's here to kill gun. him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with a um, stupid dinky little gun. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> Bill Murray gets done seducing the good doctor, <laughs> which I still can't get over. It's the most explicitly erotic scene in this entire thing. Yeah. And where the fuck did it come from? Where did he come from? <laughs> I don't even know. And then Steve Martin, like, takes Seymour hostage and is about to perform. Like, we have, like, a, a whole dialogue between them where steve martin's like i'm gonna get in there deep and give you a root canal and (laughs) seymour's like that machine looks old and steve martin goes like yeah and it's dull it's an (laughs) antique very rusty or something in that vein yeah (laughs) And, and then we get a like little scene where he's like you know what this needs gas because oh we missed talking about this earlier apparently steve martin's a rampant like nitrous oxide user yeah like addicted to nitrous oxide <laughs> which is a real thing people like do enjoy the laughing gas but like it is to an extent where he treats it like it's cocaine yeah and um he's like gas and seymour goes like oh good i'm glad that we're gonna get gas steve martin comes back with like essentially a jetpack full of gas for him to yeah he's use. like this is my special mask <laughs> <laughs> it has balloons that like <laughs> flop in and out as he's going it's fucking wild it's a wild thing it's a wild contraption (laughs) um and so while he's like getting that together and he's like inhaling copious copious amounts of gas seymour whips out his like dinky little gun and uh the dentist is like what are you doing with that like this kid thinks he's gonna kill me with a gun and then his mask gets stuck yeah, and he asphyxiates himself. Yeah, he absolutely um, dies, and Seymour's like, tight. Tight, I didn't have to <laughs> shoot anyone, um, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, so here's how asphyxiation works, is that slowly the levels of oxygen are replaced with levels of other things. Uh, so nitrous oxide was replacing any levels of oxygen that he was able to take back into his things, just in case anyone was wondering out there. Um, <laughs> you can asphyxiate, you can asphyxiate um, with chemical clouds, like things that are heavier than air that'll displace oxygen. Um, if there's a chemical leak, you have to be really cognizant of that. Anyway, dentist dies. Steve Martin's out, and we think down for the count, but he has one last contribution to make. Who the dentist? Yeah, which is his body to Audrey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, where are you going with this? (laughs) Um, And it's like a pretty good death scene. Steve Martin's working it, you know? (laughs) He is. He's laughing till the end. And he talks in like a really like funny but upsetting way, you know? And his like eyes are wide open. Yeah. It's very Um, maniacal. Yeah. 
So and yeah, Seymour Dramatics' fucking body. <laughs> across town and then uh, disassembles the dentist with a fucking... I was going to say hatchet, but it's an axe. Well, yeah, Seymour's just about to, like, give it... Like, just about to dump the whole thing into Audrey 2. And Audrey 2 is like, no, chop it up. <laughs> I forgot that Audrey 2 asked for it. Because I was like, why wouldn't he just give... he Audrey, Audrey 2 has asked or has eaten a whole human being or will eat a whole human being. There's no reason that... She can't eat a whole Steve Martin right now. Yeah, well, this is the first time. This is the first yeah, full. This is the first full human. As um, he eats more, he gets a little, well, as much as a plant can. So let's talk about what fresh means, because this is this whole feed me Seymour, like it has to be fresh. And it is implied that the body is in full rigor, which happens, I believe, four hours after death. Um, and so there's a long... There's a long period between even when he kill he dies and when the dentist gets into Seymour. I would expect this idea of fresh to not really be sufficient for the diet that this alien plant clearly needs. I don't know how dead bodies are. <laughs> so <laughs> So I need your help. <laughs> if um, it's in full rigor, but could you still like cut off? Could you still break the skin and blood would come out, or is it like yeah. okay? So it's, yeah, yeah. So full rigor is just the the muscles are have all of the energy has gone into contracting them, and no decomposition has started yet. So everything is hard, but you still have, like, blood that is liquid. Yeah, it would just be hard to get to it because everything's hard. <laughs> yeah, but I guess he, Audrey, too, is eating the whole whole sh- shebang. Um, I would think that chopping up the body, again, would leak more blood, and so it wouldn't be as satisfying of a meal. Let's talk about my mouse story. Well, I just want to say real quick that it, it's leading me to believe that it's less about, like, the actual diet of blood and more about, like, the the control of it all. Yeah, yeah, like, the power play of it all, that he got yeah. a guy to kill. So, yeah. That's my uh, hypothesis. I agree. So my experience microwaving dead mice. I didn't specifically do... <laughs> my God. <laughs> Um, uh, this is going to come as no surprise to anyone who knows John, but he had many snakes when I was growing up. And when you have snakes, you feed them a steady diet of mice. And when you're lazy, you get them pre-frozen. Yes. <laughs> but snakes don't like frozen mice and don't eat frozen mice. And anything cold makes them slow down and they don't digest it as well. So you have to heat up the frozen mice so that the snake will eat it. So there was literally a second microwave at my dad's work. This is where my dad kept the snake for heating up frozen mice. So that well, it's nice that it got its own microwave. It's a bummer that it will. I know that when you like thaw a chicken, you're not supposed to microwave it because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like kill the like you know it's like it's unhealthy. This is not about bacteria. This is about like it being warm enough for the snake to actually want to eat. Uh, as long as the bacteria is not a threat to a snake, I guess I'm like, it's sure, it makes it, sense yeah. that you'd microwave it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Snake is fine. Snake eats things whole. Yeah. 
that that the bowels of that creature are going to be disintegrated by that snake's stomach acid at some point and it's going to be running rampant in its digestive tract that snake is going to be fine but could you imagine pulling like a dead mouse out of the freezer and then having to put it in a sink and run it under cold water until it thaws (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) like a chicken (laughs) Okay, so another thing is, um, so sometimes depending on how how active your snake is and what the weather is like, they'll go dormant. So they'll have different different times between feedings at different parts of the year. And if you feed it too early, they won't eat the mouse that you give. So my dad would alternate sometimes between um, live mice and and pre frozen mice. And this is the first actual like fluffy pet that we were ever allowed to have because the snakes were at my dad's office um so they weren't like a pet so the first pet that my sister and i were allowed to have were the mice that we kept for two weeks before the snake was ready to eat them and then he he would feed them to the snake and um if the snake doesn't eat the mouse right away if it doesn't kill it the mouse will slowly start to chew on the snake it's a wild time it's a wild time to like come in and be like what happened to the snake and my dad is like oh yeah the thing that is its natural prey started to eat it Animals are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Audrey and her her manipulation. (laughs) Um, Any final thoughts on... Well, I guess we moved past the song already. Sorry, I was just looking at the song list. We've moved past the song, but it's okay. Both songs slap. Um, The next song is Suddenly Seymour. (laughs) A song that is iconic and I expected to hate, but I weirdly liked him to sing. Yeah, they were belting their little faces off. They were doing <laughs> such a good job. I was like, wow, I actually am enjoying this. And I did not expect to enjoy it. And Audrey's like pretty seamless transition from her like little baby voice to like a crazy belt that came from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, she sings really well. And it's really funny because like once I hear it for the first time, I expect it from her every single time after that. But yeah. every single time <laughs> Rick Anus opens his fucking mouth. <laughs> I never expected to be good, and it always was. He always did a good job. This is where, like, he he carried it this time. The vibrato was coming out. Like, clearly, he had it, um, which was nice to see. Um, it was nice to see him trans, uh, you know, transition from a character voice to like a good singing voice. I was proud of him. I was proud of the both of them. They were they it were doing, so good. They were working it. Their kiss looked like it hurt. They looked like their mouths. There was a lot of tongue happening on him. And it was like a hard collision, you know? (laughs) I did like that she was pushing him up against the wall, though. (laughs) (laughs) We looked him up while uh, we were watching this. He's 5'6", and she was in heels. Yeah. (laughs) So he is my approximate height. That's right. That's how it should have been. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then they, yeah, they are in a relationship from here on out. Yeah. They're together. I love that song. I can, I've done that song in voice lessons before i believe that you have done that that feels like one of those that you would be hit over the head with in music camp honestly but yeah that's fine that's fine i I liked it all right the next song is called supper time and audrey too sings audrey okay i'm trying to place exactly who he's eating it must be mr mushnick right yes so it's a whole thing because Mr. Mishnick witnessed Mr. Anus disassembling uh, Steve Martin. Yes. And so Mr. Mushnick is trying to like get up the balls to confront Rick Anus. What is this fucking Seymour? Yeah. 
And Audrey has been like, I am hungry again. I'm I'm more hungry now. And we're also starting to get the um like, hey, we need we're getting a lot of traction from this, and there's some fame coming in. And so Mr. Mushnick is is stressed out and he finds uh, we had a whole confrontation between Audrey asking to be fed again and Seymour being like I just fucking fed you what more do you want yeah I I fucking killed a dude (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, and we have a whole confrontation between Mr. Mushnick and Seymour where Mr. Mushnick is like I'm gonna turn you over to the police I know you killed the dentist dude However, I'm going to let you off easy. I get to keep the plant and you get a one-way ticket out of here. And it looks like for all intents and purposes, Seymour's going to take that deal. Uh, and he pretty good backs, deal. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good deal. Um, and he backs up with Mr. Mushnick and Mr. Mushnick gets snapped on jaw style by Audrey too. Yeah. And it's a it's a very dramatic scene. And this is when Matt was like, okay, so here's why I love being a stagehand, because it's really fun to pull people through Audrey too. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it would have been a good time. But it's a while because we also see like we saw Audrey too eat Steve Martin earlier, but like we really see like the full extent of like the multiple rows of pointed teeth like a shark. Yeah. Cause like we saw him eat like the pieces of Steve Martin, but this is when he's like we're done with that. Like, you know, I don't even need them chopped up anymore. We're unhinging yeah. my jaw, you know? Yeah, I'll take a whole ass human steak, please. Thank you. Yeah. And it's it. we just kind of, like, ignore it and move forward, where we're just about to enter into a collision of uh, different media frenzies and, mod- and all those kinds of things are going to happen really yes. quickly. It's in a song called The Meek Shall Inherit, um, which is, like... The the back it's the uh, Greek chorus is singing it, and it's just a little ditty about how like if you're like if you are quiet and you keep your head down or whatever, like you're rewarded, and like little Seymour like did, made it, and he's like getting a bunch of deals for things. He's getting his own gardening show. He's getting all sorts of contracts and like crazy things, and he's getting super famous. Yeah. Um, so that's just what's underscoring that montage there. And again, gotta say that Greek chorus really killing it. They're in a I believe a purple sparkly outfit for this one. And they're just doing so great. Yeah. They're killing it all every time, (laughs) every time. Um, And then we come to, I think the next big thing, which is when Audrey asks to be fed again. Yeah. Is this before or after Audrey almost gets eaten? It's a preponderance of events, isn't it? So it's because, so Audrey asks, Audrey too asks Seymour for more food and Seymour's like, I'm going to go out for hamburger. I can't kill another person. Yeah. I'm going to go get some ground beef. We're going to have a whole thing. It's We get a really sexy little song in here. Um, and a lot of Audrey 2 songs are split up. And so this is also when Seymour was like, hey, you and me, we're going to get hitched to Audrey 1. Um, yes. Why don't you pack your bags? Let's get married tonight. Town hall. You and me, baby. So um, <laughs> Audrey 1 is at home hanging out. And while, which is directly across the street, and we can see into the window of the little little shop. Um, and while Seymour is getting lunch meat for this monster plant to wolf down, the plant pulls himself forward, picks a quarter, quarter out of the cash register, puts it in the, uh, what is it? The dial? The phone, the yeah. Phone. Well, I was going to say, what is it? Payphone? What is the te- payphone. Uh, puts it in the payphone and 
for some reason knows Audrey's number and calls her. It's like, hey, Audrey, hey, girl, why don't you come over? And Audrey I love just, that Audrey lives like across the street. <laughs> right. And Audrey just does. She just like comes over. And Audrey, too, is just talking to her like nobody's business. And all of a sudden, we realize, like, we saw earlier from the vines and from the fact that he pulled himself forward in his pot that yeah. there's some some control over the movements that are happening. Um, and he, like, fully brings Audrey one in to, to be devoured. And while she's, like, being assaulted, um, Rick Anus comes back and is like, Audrey, no, my love! Seymour, sorry. Oh, me. <laughs> and we have this whole, like, battle sequence. Is that the correct term? Yeah. Because, yeah, they have to, like, wrestle her out. And then he, like, takes her to another room and they yeah, so share their love again. And they go, they go into the... Into, so this is where everything collides. This is the climax. Because they run into the back alley and a reporter comes in or a horticulturalist um, comes in and is like, hey, we want to do tissue culture for your plant, which is a thing that people do. Um, it is how most plants are mass produced now. Um, so we want to take a little piece of her and grow them up and let there be millions of them that people can just have in their home and you'll make a lot of money from this and this is when Seymour finally realizes like this was the plan all along was for her to get famous enough to get into all of the homes and take over the planet and so he runs back inside and is like this is what you wanted and then then he sings mean green mother from outer space (laughs) yes which is Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's the same. Ridiculous. It's the same genre of like feed yeah. me Seymour. Like yeah, it's all everything that Audrey Two sings is bluesy and sexy and hot and like it's like super fast paced. Like I'm a mean green mother from outer space. It's like a super yeah, like rock and roll number. Yeah, it's rock and roll. It's rock and roll very much. Um, and it's really fun. We have a lot of like fun uh puns and close calls and like a very vulgar mouth on the on the plant yeah he says tough titties a lot he says tough titties so much um and then he also breaks himself out of the pot because he's fully mobile now apparently. yeah uh like he just destroys this fucking pot over seymour um and he starts to like pull down the building around him do you have anything especially you want to say before we get to the next part no Okay, so he starts to pull down the building around him, and he loosens a cable, and he, like, collapses a bil- the building on top of Seymour, and Seymour uses this to electrocute the fuck out of Audrey, too. And that is the demise of Audrey, too. She just burns to ash, I guess. Yeah. Um, and everything's fine. And everything's fine. And that's pretty much the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Is that the end of the songs? Yep. Yeah. The there the you go. That's the end of the show. And that's yeah. it. That's all. It's a great ending. Yeah, the finale song is a song called Don't Feed the Plants. It, like, happens in the credits. <laughs> and it's, like, the message to the viewer. <laughs> so are you ready for my spicy trivia? I want all of the spicy trivia. So this is not how the musical ends. Um, the musical has an entirely different ending. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go, let me just try. I feel like in high school when I watched it, the musical ended with no sure thing about Audrey 2 actually being dead or like there not being a lot of other possibilities about Audrey 2 being off this world. So continue with what you're going to say. Yeah. So the way it ends is um, Audrey 2 tries to eat Audrey, um, is nearly successful. Uh, Seymour pulls her out, but she's like, I'm dying. Look, I'm 
I'm not long for this world. Like I'm half digested and I'm dying. Um, but this plant, even though the plant is evil, has given you so much. And I want to always be a part of you and a part of your life, even when I'm dead. So feed me to the plant so that you can like go on to fame and fortune. So I don't Seymour- think, Audrey, no. Audrey, so, no. Well, she dies. She like dies yeah. in his arms. And so he's like, well, I'm going to honor her last dying wish. And uh, he feeds her dead body to the plant. Um, and the plant becomes so powerful that the plant also eats Seymour. Um, and it ends with the plant like direct address to the audience being like, this is my world now, bitch. Um, and at least like in the Broadway version, it would like advance on the audience and like vines would drop down and then like stage went black. That was the end of the show and the plant won. Oh God. I don't know what is the better end. So that was the original ending of the movie. And, uh, they filmed that ending and then they played it for a test op for several test audiences. And it did so poorly. The audiences wanted a happy ending. So at the last minute, they scrapped it and then recorded this new ending where it's a happy ending sort of smushed together at the end. I I can see how that ending would really play differently to a live audience versus a theater audience. Because at the end of a live thing, all of the actors come out and take a bow. And so the ending can be a little bit more morbid than like the end of a movie where even though you know the actors are separate from it you don't have that like immediate uh that immediate confirmation that everything's okay you know yeah so because that is like a phenomenon that is pretty common yeah um Um, but like the ending of the musical so metal that is so metal that's fucking wild it's like not a happy ending the plant wins (laughs) you know I've said this before and I'll say it again. In any sort of apocalypse scenario, I will be one of the first people dead. And in the event that the plants rule the world, I surrender. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm okay with it. If I got to feed the plants, I'll, I'm all the better for it. In fact, when I do die, I've already told Matt this. I want to be like put into one of those pods that is there. Uh, is, I want to be burnt just because I don't want there to be enough of me to, to desecrate. Um, but then I want my ashes to be put in an urn that gives nutrients to a seed for a tree. And then I want that to yeah. be planted. Yeah. So that the plants do win eventually because <laughs> fuck humanity. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. Hopefully I'll be sentient in that tree. And then we'll have a whole Pocahontas Mother Will thing happening where I'll guide a young girl into her future. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. Um, So my other pieces of trivia. um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, um, as great as that is for you, my other pieces of trivia. Um, So like I said earlier, um, Little Shop of Horrors has been getting some restagings at um, regional theaters, like in recent, like a lot of them recently in the past, like two or so years. Mm -hmm. Um, there was one, I want to say it was at Lincoln Center or Kennedy Center, one of those that happens in New York where they do a lot of like sort of one weekend shows, um, where Ted Mosby was Seymour, um, that actor was Seymour, um, and Megan Hilty was, um, Audrey, 
who I don't know if you've seen anything with her yet, um, but for her archetype, uh, she was in the 95 musical and she played Dolly Parton. So she's like that kind. She was in Smash. If you ever watched Smash, Um, I don't think that you did. Yeah. Uh, She's like a blonde lady. Um, But that one was uh, kind of interesting because like Seymour was an older actor and Megan Hilty isn't like old but she's not like 22. So it was kind Mm -hmm. of nice to see like an older age appropriate couple to each other Mm -hmm. when so often in theater, especially when it's like a white couple, it'll be like an older guy and then like a super young. So it was nice to see that casting. (laughs) Nearly Um, adolescent girl. Yeah. yeah. And then around the same time, um, it was also playing off Broadway, a different production of Little Shop of Horrors. Um, I don't remember who was Audrey, but Seymour was Jonathan Groff, who um, he was uh, King George in Hamilton. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but he was like hot, though, like because he's like a hot guy. Um, He's like a hot buff guy. And so everyone was like, you're not you're very talented, but this isn't for you Um, because it's supposed to be like a guy who's not hot. And that's like the whole thrill of it. Yeah. Um, and then also around the same time in LA, um, it was happening at the Pasadena playoffs. They were doing Little Shop of Horrors, um, starring uh, George Salazar, a very talented man of color, and uh, MJ Rodriguez, who was the f- not just who was the first uh, trans woman to play that role. Good and they pl- and they played the role as a trans woman, which like added a whole other thing to it, and a trans woman of color. So. Um, it was like awesome. It was like I almost drove up to see it. Um, I couldn't because I was working. Um, that's how recently it was happening. Um, but I, I totally wanted to see it. I could have, like, I could have. Um, yeah, so I mean, once things, uh, once the world stops, stops the whole apocalypse thing. Um, yeah, we'll definitely we'll make that a business trip for you and me. Um, but it's nice because we've had so many musicals that we've watched recently that were like, this should never be done again. Um, but it's nice to see one that's being done again and being innovated in a way that's actually good and helpful. And Yes. And it's also worth redoing again. Okay. So this is where we're going to talk a little gossip because we heard through the grapevine, aka my husband, Matt, that another Cinderella like, remake is coming out with James Corden as like a side It's character. already out. It stars uh, Camila Cabello as Cinderella. Which is like, whatever, but like, I'm all about a little Shop of Horrors reboot. I would love there to be more publicity around this because this is like, objectively, like, there's already a diverse casting for it if they wanted to keep the casting virtually the same. Um, but like, there's no specific color rules, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, like, it, it's problematic but it recognizes that it's problematic with like domestic abuse and manipulation um like all of the things it is camp and it is so hilariously inclusive and yet someone is remaking cinderella instead of this like fuck off this is so good yeah exactly we should watch that on the pod i've heard it's terrible i've heard it's terrible we should watch that on the pod. We might need to like live watch that and then cut together our dialogue. That might be funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts about uh, Little Shop of Horrors? I'm just so glad that you liked it. 
I loved it. I thought it was it was a miraculous, like truly everything that I wanted musicals to be without the expectations of what I think musicals are. Yeah. Does that make sense? That is awesome. How does this rank in terms of your favorite ones? Where is it? Where does it land? I think it's it's hard too because this is like so much more about the music than it is about anything else, right? So like Yeah. In the in the top I have um Singing in the Rain, which is a lot about the dancing and the showmanship that are happening. Yeah. Um and then we have like I think Legally Blonde and Shrek, which again, we have really big production numbers. And while production in this is really paramount, I think the only thing that really rivals the musicality of this is Passing Strange and potentially Hamilton. Um yeah. Ham- uh, you know what? I think In the Heights and Hamilton are around the same place, but In the Heights I actually like the music a little better. Um so I I think that it's it's squarely in my top 10 maybe um but as far as musically goes i i really really like this one it was really high up there maybe my top three yeah i can't believe i never even mentioned it even once but you mentioned production value and just the state of the plant like the puppet um, oh my god so all the different puppets um it is a frank oz movie who's the who's the muppet guy uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Oh, I was going to make the comment earlier. Um, Ellen Green, the Audrey girl, uh, she the voice that she makes reminds me of a Muppet so much. Like I had yeah. that thought while I was watching it. Um, so um, it's nice to see. Like that could have been animatronic. It could have been CGI. It could have been all sorts of things. But they chose to do it as a puppet, which is how it is on stage. Like it's very similar to what you would see. And it's very seamless for, especially for a puppet. Like I, I think that there is an amount of CGI in this uh, because it's 1986. Why the fuck not? But like, it is a very seamless transition, and it's a very believable puppet plant actor thing. Yeah, very believable, very fun. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad this one was a winner. Yeah, I really loved it. I had such a great time. I would definitely watch it again. I, I want to be in it so bad. I want to be in it so bad. Who would you bad. be if you're in it? Do you think I would be, be Audrey, like the human one? Um, I think that's it. I think I'm done talking. Oh, I was gonna say really quick, just a listener, not listener, but I was talking to someone about La La Land since we are trying to do like listener interactions and all that. I was talking to my aunt about La La Land, and she actually really loves it. Um, and I told her actively, like I was like, it's horrible and I hate it. Um, and so she lent me the insight that as someone who grew up in LA, it was really nice that it was essentially a nostalgic shot for shot tour of the city that she loves. Um, and that might lend some insight to why people have nostalgia for it or why some people really like it. Um, as a musical, she was like, I just like a love story, but I was like, okay, but yes, he's white. And she was like, no, I, I agree. That could have been better, but like, (laughs) it was so lovely and I knew where they were at every single point. And it was so nice to see my home city. And I was like, okay, so whatever. Okay. I get that. I'll allow that. I'll, I'll allow you to like it for that reason, but I won't allow it to be good. Yes. Yeah. That's how I feel as well. Cool. Um, enjoy our end card. Reach out to us. Yeah! Uh, Get out of here, you scamps.
You're welcome for listening to It's Broadway Bitch. If you like what we had to say, then please like, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, or stories about theater or what we talked about, you can email us at itsbroadwaybitch at gmail.com. That it's Broadway Bitch with no I in bitch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at it's Broadway Bitch, no I in bitch. And you can follow me, Christina, at chit and chat for pictures of my cats on Instagram. And you can follow me, Alana, on Instagram and Twitter at Alana Fine Woman, like Feynman, but I'm a lady. Special thanks to Katie Braverman for designing our cover art and Jack Larkin for making our theme music. You can follow them at katie.braverman and at jacksterlark on Instagram and check out the episode's description for links. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. And we'll see you next time. It's 